chapter 23. I'll go ahead and read the, read the whole chapter. I haven't even turned there yet. Psalms chapter 23. It's a very well-known uh, passage. It's, it's amazing how many people can... They probably got this passage memorized, but yet at the same time, a lot of t- people don't fully understand it. And a lot of times they'll claim things from Psalms 23 that they really have no right to claim. Let's go ahead and read it. It says in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This passage very well known, and there's many great promises in here. And these promises are often used. We often use this passage to be a comfort to people, especially when they're going through difficult times. A lot of times you'll hear this passage at a funeral, and uh, you know it is. It's probably one of the most quoted. It's probably one of the most memorized passages, uh, but. What I want to focus on, I want to focus on one verse in this passage that I think is very important. And then I kind of have a lot of intro before I get into kind of really the main idea of this message. But look at what it says in verse 3. It says, He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Alright? You know, it's amazing how many people claim that the Lord is their shepherd, but yet they're not walking in paths of righteousness. Whenever I'm at funerals, I'll often, uh, you know, when you're there, you're preaching, or a lot of times the 23rd Psalm will be read and you'll be there. And a lot of times half the place is quoting that Psalm. And many of these people too, especially, I mean, all Catholics pretty much have Psalms 23 memorized. But you know, how many people have Psalms 23 memorized? How many of them claim that the Lord is their shepherd, but yet they're not walking in paths of righteousness? I mean, if the Lord is your shepherd... And the Bible says that he leads he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Shouldn't that mean that you're walking in the paths of righteousness? If he is your shepherd and you're not walking in the paths of righteousness, it's clear that you are in rebellion and you are, you know, you're a bad sheep. You're not doing a very good job. And, you know, to say that the Lord is your shepherd when you're not doing anything he tells you to do, that actually makes him look bad. Because notice what he said. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. For His namesake. And the title of my message today is, What are you doing for His namesake? We need to think about the fact that we represent the name of Jesus Christ. We represent the name of God. And when we are not following the paths of righteousness, when we are not keeping the commandments of God, you all realize we make His name look bad? We're a bad representation of Him? But yet, people do. They're not following the paths of righteousness. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. But yet they want to claim all of these promises that we see in the 23rd Psalm. Let's look at a few of these, alright? So verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why is he saying I'm not going to want? He's saying that because the Lord is my shepherd. He's saying the Lord's going to take care of me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Okay? All these things that he's promising right here, that is where the shepherd you know, he has these things because Jesus Christ is his shepherd. The Lord is his shepherd. But at the same time, it also says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. So if you are not 
following the paths of righteousness, then that means you're not staying close to the shepherd. So, you know, why would you claim that you're going to be beside the still waters? Why would you say that you're lying down in green pastures? You know how many people today, Christian people, saved people, are living lives of turmoil and they have one problem after another, chaos, and they'll read this passage here and they're like, what's going on? You know, the Lord's my shepherd, yet I'm wanting. The Lord is my shepherd, yet I'm not lying down in green pastures. I'm not beside still waters. You know, I'm in the flood. You know, I'm in, I'm in a famine. Well, the reason for that is because if the Lord is your shepherd, He's going to lead you in paths of righteousness. And if you're not in those paths of righteousness, why would you be by the still waters? Why would you be lying down in the green pastures? That shepherd, He's going to go and He's going to lead His sheep into places that are safe, into places where they're going to have the things that they need. They're going to have the food. They're going to have the water. And they might be, uh, they're going to lead them away from the places where they're not going to have the things they need. They're going to lead them away from the places where there is going to be dangers. And many people today, they don't realize that these paths of righteousness that God has put us on are there for our protection. He wants us to follow those paths of righteousness so we can be beside the still water, so we can lie down in green pastures. Look what it says in Psalms 37, verse 25. It says, I have been young and am, and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Hey, who's that talking about there? It's talking about the righteous. But if you're living a wicked life, why would you claim that? And I get aggravated too. You know, there's lots of stuff that aggravates me, I guess. But often, you know, you'll listen to the woe is me stories. You listen to the sob stories. And I, I talked to a guy one time. This was years ago when I was in LaSalle. And I remember I went to his house and he started telling me about his woes and problems. I'm trying to give this guy the gospel, and he's trying to tell me how he's saved, and then he starts telling me how he just needs prayer because he's about to get evicted from his house. And the reason he's going to get evicted from his house is because he didn't have any money. Well, the reason he didn't have any money is because he can't get a job. The reason he can't get a job is because he has a criminal record. You know, and this guy, and this guy had, he had so, he's done so many bad things that it has ruined his future. And he's telling me he's saved. He's telling me he's on his way to heaven, yet he's questioning things because, you know, if I'm a child of God, how come I'm about to get thrown out on the street? You know, isn't the Lord my shepherd? I'm supposed to be lying down in green pastures. Well, yes, but the thing is, he leads in paths of righteousness. The righteousness of Christ is not going to lead you to do those drugs and to sell those drugs and to break those laws and to steal. The, the, the paths of righteousness are not going to lead you to do those things. And it's like this guy, he's wanting me to basically you know, give him a scripture verse or just give him something to just fix all his problems. And it's like, sorry, but you have veered from the path so far you know, that you, you've got a mess. And I don't know what to do for you. You know, and the thing is, I told the guys, like, well, you gotta start doing the stuff you know is right. You know, one thing you could at least start doing is start going to church. And we had a bus route then, and I told him, so we can pick you guys up on the bus. He didn't even want to come to church. Well, you all realize that's part of the paths of righteousness. You're in this mess that you're in because you're not on the paths of righteousness. You're not following the shepherd. So why would you claim these things? And many people, they often, They'll just, they'll take verses in the Bible where great things are promised, but they don't look 
closer and see that, wait, this is talking to the righteous. This is talking to those who are keeping his commandments. This is talking to those who are obedient and you're disobedient. You're violating the commands of God. You're in rebellion to the shepherd. Why would you think those promises apply to you? They don't. They have nothing to do with you. He said there, I shall not want. Why am I wanting things? Well, I'm sorry. I, even if you're saved, if you play the lottery, if you gamble, if you go to the casinos, you're going to want. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, God's going to, God, you know, I believe God's going to protect us. The Lord's our shepherd. But you know what? If you start robbing banks, you're probably going to go to prison. And it's going to stink in prison. You're not going to be beside the still waters and in green pastures. If you're, you know, if you're ripping people off, if you're writing bad checks, if you're doing, you're doing all these things that we should not be doing, you're not going to get to enjoy these promises because these promises are those who are staying close to the shepherd. Those who are following what Jesus said to do. It says, He restoreth my soul. Okay? Turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. It says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Okay? Those who wait on the Lord are going to experience that. But the thing is, we're going to get weary. Okay? It's saying, but this promise is to those who wait on the Lord. Notice in Psalms it said, He restoreth my soul. Why is it saying that? Because there's going to be times where we get tired. Even if the Lord is your shepherd and you're following Him, there's going to be times that are going to be difficult. You're going to get tired. You're going to get weary. You're going to get discouraged. Those days are going to come. But you know what? If you stay close to their shepherd, He'll restore your soul. But when? He's going to do it in His time. You just got to wait on Him. But what most people do, they get tired of waiting really fast. You know, We've all been there before where our kids acted like they were going to starve to death. All right, anybody ever had a kid that was just convinced that they were going to starve to death? And it's like, you guys aren't even close to starving to death. You know, it takes several days before you're going to starve to death. And you've all eaten today. You all eat yesterday. That's my day. So you guys ate yesterday. What do you need to eat today for? You know, and the truth is, we get very dramatic sometimes. We get very impatient. But what, and often when we get impatient, what do we do? We just want to do things ourselves. We don't want to wait on the Lord. You know, I need that check in the mail today. It's not coming. You know, so what do we do? We go buy the lottery ticket. You know, it's okay. I prayed first. You know, I prayed that the Lord would would help, and and I have faith that He's going to help me win the lottery. Really, I you know that's I'm sorry that's that's not how that works. Turn over to Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty eight, and I believe I believe this passage here is referring to salvation. But Jesus said, "In this, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I believe that there's in context of salvation, but the thing is, we, when we get saved, it, that our salvation comes when we stop working for our salvation and when we rely on the Lord for our salvation. When we rest, the Hebrews calls it entering into his rest. That's what a person does when they get saved. They that have entered into his rest have ceased from their labors. And the truth is, many people today, 
the reason that they are struggling, the reason things are so hard, is because they're not following the shepherd. They're not trusting in him, whether it be for their provision or whatever it is they need. They're always trying to do things themselves. They're always trying to do things their way. They're not willing to just have faith in God and just submit to what he said to do. And so they're constantly in turmoil. They're constantly weary. They're constantly wore out because they're just not willing to trust Christ. And so notice too, in verse 4 of Psalms 23, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We forget that part too because it's like we see the green pastures. We see the still waters. So if we're ever in that valley of the shadow of death, all of a sudden we're saying, we're in trouble. You know, what's wrong? It's like God's will's not being done. It's like God's not keeping His promises. But notice in Psalms 23, He's not saying you're never going to have any problems. You're never going to be in the valley of the shadow of death. But what He did say is you don't need to fear the evil because He's with us. But what do we do? We fear it anyway. Why? Because we're so busy trying to, trying to trust ourselves. And I heard somebody say this recently too. It's, it's, it's amazing how we will trust God with our eternal souls but with nothing else. And isn't that how we often are? We, but why do we do that? Why do we trust in God with our eternal souls? Because we come to the realization that we can't save ourselves. And that's, that's when we get saved. When we realize that we can't save ourselves and Jesus Christ is the only one that can do it. And what does that do? That calls us to call on the Lord for salvation. And so people who are saved... They have. They have completely put their soul in the hands of Jesus. They have trusted Him for that. But the problem is, after that, many times, we don't want to trust Him with anything else. You know why? Because we think we can do these things. We think we can get ourselves through any circumstance. And we think that we can, you know, uh, provide and all, all these things. Well, we ought to just rely on God. We ought to just be trusting in Him and trying to just be as close to Him as possible. To look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. Because as believers, we fit, still face difficulties while on paths of righteousness. But we're never alone. And in the end, God always comes through. It says in 2 Timothy 3.11, persecutions, afflictions, which came on me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Makes it very clear. So even on the paths of righteousness, you're going to find yourself in some dark places, but you can be delivered. Those, you know, God's going to be with you during those times. And many people today, they're finding themselves in the valley of the shadow of death. They're finding themselves in the midst of trials and troubles, but they're not willing to admit that these trials and troubles are in. They're not because... They're on the paths of righteousness. They're not suffering these things because they are living godly. They're suffering these things because they're living ungodly. They're suffering these things because they're in disobedience to God. And you know, I try to be a nice guy, but sometimes I just get tired of being nice. And it's like, you know, somebody's just gotta gotta just tell these people how it is. And it is it's amazing how many people. And I'm just I don't know, I'm I'm just losing my tact anymore when they they come to me and they're having all these problems. Sometimes people do, they've had these same problems for years and years, and they just can't ever seem to get any victory. And when they come to me and just start talking about how they're questioning their faith and all that, you know, and then they start trying to claim promises like you see here in Psalms 23 and other places of the Bible, 
I just tell him anymore. You know, the Lord's, I'll just, the Lord's not your shepherd. Sorry, you're not keeping the commandments. You're not in this mess. God's not trying to test you. You're being punished because you're not doing what God said to do. Stop blaming everybody else for your problems. Stop blaming God for your problems. You, stop acting like God's not coming through for you. He is coming through. He's doing exactly what he promised. But the problem is you're not on the paths of righteousness. You're straying from the shepherd. He is keeping his promises to you. He promised that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son of me receiveth. You're being punished for what you're doing. But it's like nobody wants to ever admit wrongdoing in anything. But I'm sorry. I'm not going to help you by, you know, just telling you you're great and you're wonderful and you're being put through some Job-like situation. No, you're not. Okay? You're not Job. You're not innocent. You're in this problem because you're not, you're not in the paths of righteousness. And if you are in the paths of righteousness, well then, you know what you're not doing? You're not keeping your focus on Jesus Christ. And that's what we've got to do. Look what it says in Romans, uh, look at verse 6 first. So in uh, verse 6, and it's like people do, they want to just take this one verse and they want to forget about everything they read before it. While in many cases, people have this passage memorized. They'll see that part. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it's like, you know, shouldn't I be just expecting good things to come my way? Shouldn't I be thinking everything's going to be great? But Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it says all things work together for good to them who love God. What does the Bible teach? If you love me, keep my commandments. Y'all get that? If you're not keeping the commandments of God, then you don't love God. And if you're not keeping the commandments of God, you are not following the paths that the shepherd leads us on. And people today who are claiming the promises of Psalms chapter 23 while not on the paths of righteousness. They have no business claiming those things. They are not for them. People who are in doubt, who think Psalms 23 is not true because look what I'm going through. Those people are not experiencing those things because the Lord is not their shepherd. They are not on the paths of righteousness. They're not doing what He said to do. Because notice what He said, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. All this is kind of an intro where it says, for His name's sake. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. What does that mean? It means the way the Lord is going to lead us is in a righteous path because we represent Him. We have His name. And if the Lord is your shepherd, there are some things that we can expect. Turn over to John chapter 14, verse 15. I, I, I quoted this, but I want you to look at it. John 14, 15, he said, If ye love me, keep my commandments. He will lead us to follow his commandments. Y'all get that? And I want you to get this too, because there's a lot of people out there today who claim that the Lord is their shepherd. And I'm not saying these people are not saved. You can be saved and not be keeping the commandments. Did you know you can be saved and not love God? It's very, it, you can do that. And nobody's going to say, I don't love God. But I'm sorry, if you're not keeping His commandments, you don't love God. We don't get saved by keeping the commandments. We don't get saved by loving God. We get saved by trusting in Him for our salvation. That really doesn't take a lot of love. 
It doesn't take a lot of love to get saved. It, I mean, really, a lot of times, loving ourselves is what motivates us to get saved because we don't want to go to hell. And I don't really think that's necessarily a bad attitude. But after you get saved, shouldn't that cause you to love the one who saved you? But some people don't. And salvation is a, it's a completely free gift. It's not of works. It's unconditional. It's for all who will believe. And if you do, if you get saved and you never show any appreciation for it, God's not going to say, you know what? I'm taking that salvation away from you. Because if that was the case, then salvation would have a price on it and it would be gratitude and appreciation to God. It would be service in exchange for what He did. That is not free. And I do. I believe with all my heart that people who believe the gospel and they call on the Lord for salvation, I believe those people are saved whether they ever have any works or not. I believe they're saved whether they ever love the Lord or not. I believe that with all my heart. But, at the same time, if they're not keeping the commandments of God, they shouldn't expect certain blessings. They should not expect that all things are going to work together for good to them. Because of the fact that the shepherd is leading us in these paths of righteousness for his namesake, we represent his name. Is the name of God not a holy name? It is, is he not all about righteousness? Righteousness? There is no sin in God. And y'all understand that he is not going to lead us into something that is contrary to what he is. He is not going to lead us into sin. And I'm afraid we've got too many people out there, too many, some of them are supposed Christians, probably aren't, and some people who are actually saved who are causing doubt with other people because they're telling people, and there's pastors in their churches, they're, 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 you know, their churches have saved people in them, but they've got this attitude, I'm going to be preaching on this tonight, that we're under grace, therefore the law doesn't matter, therefore keeping the commandments doesn't matter. And then they've got all these people in their church, nobody's keeping the commandments of God, they never want to talk about the commandments of God, and then everybody in that church, they can't figure out why everybody's miserable. They can't figure out why marriages aren't, to, aren't staying together in that church. They can't figure out while they're having one problem after another, why they got the same depression that everyone does in the world. They've got all the same problems. The reason they have all the same problems is because they're doing all the same sins. They're not on the paths of righteousness. And these people that are in these churches, you know what they do? They start doubting the Word of God. They start doubting the Bible because preachers have made light of God's commandments. They're always telling them, oh, that's for a, that was a different dispensation. God doesn't care about that today. No, God does care about those things today. Those things do matter today. Just because they don't matter when it comes to our salvation does not mean that they don't matter. They do matter when it comes to us living a happy life. They do matter when it comes to us lying down in green pastures and being beside the still waters. Those things do matter. Look over at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15. So if we have the, if we have the name of God, if we have been named with Christ, if we are the children of God, He's going to care about how He represents, how we represent His name. You know, I care very much about how my kids represent the name of McMurtry. You know, I've got a son now who has a driver's license, and you know, the last thing I want is, and I don't know if they do it yet because he's still technically a minor, but whenever he turns 18, I really hope we don't start seeing, you don't start seeing the name Tommy McMurtry. In the police reports all the time. 
you know, that's going to make my name look bad. Alright, you know, and, and you know, if, if you're always seeing McMurtry's in there, it's going to look bad, you know. I hope a McMurtry, you know, never assassinates a president or something like that, you know. Are you related to that guy? You know, you have to hear that stuff all the time. And there are, there's people out there that ruin names. You know, I've had people ask me even just recently, you know, if we're like connected with Westboro Baptist Church. And it's like, absolutely not. Alright, you know, those people, they're giving Baptists a bad name. And you know what? There are a lot of Save people. You know, they're giving Jesus a bad name. They're giving, him, they're giving Him a bad name. They're claiming the name of Christ. Some of these people are not saved. And they're giving Him a bad name. God cares very much about His name. His name matters big time. But let's look at a few more verses. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. It says, But as He which hath called you is holy... So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You see, the reason, okay, the reason God said for you to be holy, He didn't say, Be holy, so you'll have a happier life. He didn't say, Be holy, so everything will be easy. And notice too, in Psalms 23, when He said, He leadeth me in paths of righteousness, it says for his name's sake. It didn't say he leadeth me in paths of righteousness, so I'll be happy. Lead me in paths of righteousness, so I'll be prosperous. No, he said he's leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We represent him, therefore we should be following paths of righteousness. When people see the name of Christ attached to us, when we call ourselves Christians, that ought to mean something. We shouldn't be the ones out there robbing the banks and murdering people. That should not be happening. You know, I want the name of Liberty Baptist Church to mean something in this community. Uh, that, that ought to represent something. That ought to say something. And you know what? I want, it to be, I want it to say something that's good. I don't want the people from Liberty Baptist Church to have the reputation for, for being the drunks and for being the, you know, people that are always, you know, just stirring up trouble in town and, you know, causing chaos and catastrophe. I don't want that. That, that will end up making us look bad, and we make God look bad when we're not following the paths of righteousness. It does benefit us, but ultimately, we're not just to follow righteousness so everything will be good in our lives. Because sometimes we might have to go through that valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we might have to suffer persecution, but we need to realize that I, that the things that I do, they don't just represent me, they represent Christ. The things that you do, they don't just represent you. They represent your family that you're named with, whatever your last name is. They represent your church. You represent your community. And that's another thing, too. You know, how, would, you know, how many of you, if you were, were going to move, would be interested in moving to Ferguson, Missouri? Who wants to move to Ferguson, Missouri? Not me. Not after what happened there. Not out, and the thing is, here's what's so bad about that whole thing. A lot of that chaos that went on in Ferguson, Missouri, was led by people who were not from Ferguson, Missouri. It was led by these activists that showed up in that town, and you know what? They gave that town a terrible name. It hurt that town greatly because people, it, you know, it appeared that the town was so bad. Well, you know what? If we're always hearing, you know, about shooting, you know, school shootings and stuff, and it's always in Rock Falls. Who's going to want to move to Rock Falls? Who wants to send their kids to Sandy Hook Elementary School? I don't even know if it's still open anymore. 
And it's probably not going to happen again. But you all realize what one person did, it affected that whole area. You know, we, we know of certain places, there are certain towns and cities that everyone knows because of somebody that's really bad. Columbine. We all know, we all know about that place. Aurora, Colorado. We all know about that place. Why do we know about these places? Because of what one bad person did, and that town is now known for that. And as Christians, we represent the name of Christ, and if we are not following the paths of righteousness, we make His name look bad. And the name of God matters very much, and it ought to matter, the name of Christ, it ought to matter to us. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. And when we're not living holy lives, we are misrepresenting Christ. We're making Him look bad. As a church, if I'm not preaching about the commandments of God, if we as a congregation are not following the commandments of God, that represents Christ in a bad way because He's not like that. Okay, when we're all just, when we're unforgiving, does that represent Christ? No, He's very forgiving, isn't He? When we're not merciful, when we're not righteous, when we're not holy, we are making Him look bad. Okay? And think about this too, you know, we all probably have that family member, everybody's, you know, everybody's got that family member they're all embarrassed by, right? Everybody's got one of those. Because there's that one person in the family, and you, so you don't want that stuff being associated with you. So it's like you want to do everything you can to distance yourself from that person. Do you all realize God doesn't want to be associated with sin? God doesn't want to be associated with wickedness? And it does. It seems like the, you know, the crazy person in the family, the nut job of the family, they're like the most excited about being related to you. You know, if you ever see him anywhere, you know, hey, you know, you know, hi, cousin. You know, it's like, why don't you just call me on my name like other people? It's like they, they love to bring up the fact that they're related to you. And I do. It's, it's like my, the family I'm proud of, they don't bring those things up, maybe because they don't want to. But, uh, but the, it's the ones you're embarrassed by, they're the ones that just that bring it up and just tell everybody. You're just like, shh, can you... Can you kind of keep that quiet? You know, we're only, I'm only related to them by marriage. You know, that's from my wife's side of the family. You know, you know I, I'll, you'll, you'll make a lot of those excuses and things like that. You know, that, that's not a blood relation right there. They, they, got, they got in by marriage. All right, we do that because there's behavior associated there that we don't want to be associated with. And it's very clear. God does not want to be associated with sin. So he said, be holy for I am holy. This is what I do. You all have claimed my name. You've claimed to be one of me. It's got to be holy. It was also Peter that wrote, Ye are a chosen generation, an holy nation, a peculiar people. All those things that he said he said to them. And therefore, because we are all those things, we ought to be those things. We ought to follow those paths of righteousness, of righteousness that Psalms 23 talks about. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. So because we represent the name of Christ... Because what we do, it affects His name. If we do have the name of Christ, if we are His children, it's very clear in Hebrews 12, 5, God's, or in Hebrews 12, God's going to punish us when we get out of line. It says, and ye have forgotten, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you, as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son 
is he whom his father chasteneth not. But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So right here, the Bible is very clear that hey, when you're being punished, while it's not pleasant, notice what he says. He says, don't faint when that happens. Don't be that Christian that thinks I'm just supposed to be beside still waters and lying down in green pastures. You know, God must not be keeping his promises. No, don't faint because the Lord, if the Lord's your shepherd, he's going to lead you in paths of righteousness. And you obviously got out of line. The reason you're going through these problems, it's not because you're not a child of God. You're going through these problems because you are a child of God. And you are not in the paths of righteousness. But unfortunately today, many people are missing this because we've got this new mentality. We're not supposed to ever judge anybody. Preachers have got this attitude. You know, We don't want to talk about sin. We're under grace. And so as a result of that, we've got saved people who go to church, but they have they know nothing about the law of God. They're not keeping the commandments of God. And they can't figure out why they're being punished. But the Bible says, hey, you're being, don't, don't faint. Actually, let this encourage you. You're being punished because you are a child of God. He's going to deal with you because you represent His name. And so, just like when I'm out in public, you know, when I'm out in public, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, it doesn't bother me when kids are crying in restaurants and throwing fits. Some people get really stressed out by that. I don't. The reason I don't get stressed out because there was times in the past when it was my kids. And that does think It is stressful. And you do care because it makes you look bad as a parent when your kid's out of control. But when it's somebody else's kid, I just take great comfort in the fact this is not my problem. And, and I, don't do anything, I don't do anything about it. I sit there, and especially if my kids are there being good too, I really like it then because then, it's, then I'm really looking good. You know, look at all those kids being good and you know, look at that one over there being horrible. It, it doesn't stress me out at all. I take great comfort in it that, it, that it's not my problem. And the thing is, that's how it is with God too. If lost people are doing one thing, they don't represent the name of Christ. He's not going to deal with them. They're not His, but He cares very much about what we do because God cares very much about His name. We're not going to take time to turn there, but in 2 Samuel chapter 12, after David had committed that sin with Bathsheba, everybody knew, everybody knew that the true God was the God of Israel. They had seen what God had done with uh, in Egypt. I've preached on that before, showing how the whole world knew that the God of Israel was a special God. They knew He was a righteous God. I preached that a while back when going through Psalms. But at the same time, you know, too, God was blessing Israel greatly. God had blessed David greatly because David was a righteous king. But then David went and committed that horrible sin with Bathsheba. He had her husband murdered. And Sam, or not Samuel, Nathan the prophet, when calling out David on this, he said, you've given great occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme his name. David made God look bad. Did God have anything to do with that adultery? Does God have anything to do with murder? God has nothing to do with that. But you know what? David, because he represented God, because he was the king of God's people and God's nation, David made God look bad. And so you know what God had to do to keep his name looking good? God had to punish David. Nathan said, the child that's going to be born unto thee shall die. The last thing that needed to happen after David commits adultery and gets another woman pregnant for him to be blessed with this healthy baby. That would have made God look bad. 
And so God ended up having allowing that child to die as a result because God was worried about his name. God was wanting to protect his name. And there are those out there who claim the name of Christ who are running his name through the mud. But they often get away with it because that's God's way of showing, that's not my children. Those are, those are not my children. God's not going to deal with them like he will us. Have you ever felt that way before? Like all the other kids get away with it? Have you ever said to your parents, how come all the other kids get to do this? And what's the classic answer from a parent? Hey, those aren't my kids. They're not my problem. You are my child. You know, your son comes up to you, you know, Dad, why can't I dress like a homo like all the other boys? You know, because you're my son and you're not going to dress that way. You know, your daughter, Dad, why can't I dress like a boy like all the other girls? Because you're my daughter. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. What matters, is, you know, what you do, how you dress, that represents me. And, th- and therefore, we make a great big deal about it. And God does the same thing. So God's name is very important. And we need to remember that we represent Him on earth. And we should be doing everything we can to make Him look good. And the way we make Him look good is by letting Him lead us. And where does the Bible say He leads us? He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For His name's sake. We've got to be walking in those paths. Because look at this. Look at Psalms 138. Verse 2. Because you know what? I, w- I just want to cover this briefly. There is one thing. God, well, God cares very much about His name. Did you know there's something that God cares about more than He cares about His name? One thing God cares about more than He cares about His own name are His words. It says in Psalm 138, 2, it says, I will worship toward Thy holy temple and praise Thy name for Thy loving kindness and for Thy truth for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Have you ever wondered, you know, why is it that there's all these false religions out there that seem to be getting away with using the name of Christ? You know, and listen, God cares very much about his name. I think, I do think it bothers God that there's all these false religions out there who claim to be followers of Christ. There's a lot of false religions who call themselves Christian. And are not. I do believe that that bothers God. But did you know, messing with his word, it gets you in a lot more trouble than messing with his name. And messing with his name will get you in trouble. But uh, Jeremiah twenty three twenty nine, it says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them, and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. You know what? There's, there's false religions out there that are stealing the words of God. You know what they're doing? They're saying God said stuff that He didn't say. Have you ever been quoted for something that you didn't say? We don't like that very much, do we? As a preacher, I really don't like it. And I get that all the time, where I'll say one thing, and then people, they like to reinterpret it. I said all kinds of other stuff. I was like, really? I mean, I, I said that from that sentence. You got that. What are they doing? They're adding to our words. And often people do that with God. We add to His words 
And he calls it there, stealing his words, when we say he saith when he didn't say it. That is very wicked. And look at Revelation, I'll close with this. Revelation 22.18 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. See, right there, we see that that will get you in big trouble. You're, I mean, these people that mess with the Bible, that are changing the Bible, uh, that are perverting the Bible, making these false Bibles, God hates that greatly. Because the thing that rep- there is one thing out there that represents God's name perfectly, and that is His words. While often we fail in being a good representation of the name of Christ, we often fail. Often we, we veer off from the paths of righteousness and we end up making His name look bad. And let me tell you something. There are people out there that they hate God and they often blame His people. You know, I'd, be, I'd like Christ if it wasn't for Christians. And you know, but unfortunately, there are, there, sometimes even truly saved people, they make God look bad. But thankfully... There is one thing on this earth. There is one thing that God left. There is one thing that God promised in Psalms 12 that He would preserve from all generations forever, and that is His Word. And at the end of the day, even though we're often bad examples, people have no excuse because we still have the Word of God. And so you can see why God actually makes a bigger deal about those who mess with his word. You know, I've represented the name of Christ in a negative way before. But you know what? God forgives me for that. I'm good. But you know what I've never done? I've never tried making a new version of the Bible. I've never tried, you know, taking things out and adding things to it. That right there is just, that's even more wicked because God cares more about his word than he does his name. And I believe the reason for that is because this is the accurate representation of the name of God. We, while we often fail on being righteous, the words of the Lord, they're always righteous. They show us what, what righteousness is. But at the same time, for us as individuals, you know what? Why don't we try to follow the shepherd? Why don't, if we're going to go claiming the promises of Psalms 23, you know what? Let's follow those paths of righteousness that he leads us on. Don't tell me the Lord's your shepherd and that you're following Him when you're not willing to follow the paths of righteousness. That is where He leads. If the Lord is your shepherd and the Lord is my shepherd, shouldn't we be going in the same direction? Shouldn't we have some harmony on some things? Absolutely we should. And when people come along and try to tell you, no, I think that verse is wrong. The Lord's not keeping His promises. You know what? Point out that verse. Are you following the paths of righteousness? Are you keeping the commandments of God? If not, don't act like Psalms 23 is a lie. It's not. So, with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray that you will help everyone with this, dear God. And I pray you'll help us to follow the paths of righteousness that you've uh, put us on and that we will represent your name in a good way. I pray the people here uh, in this church will represent your name in a positive way and they'll represent the name of this church in a positive way and we'll honor and glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen.